This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. gentlemen we're privileged to have the lovely and delightful and amazing and a superstar margaret cho we interviewed her a few weeks ago but in light of recent events we thought that we had to have her come back to give her thoughts and opinions and um about these in these egregious uh, uh atrocities to the asian american community so benin and i are really happy to have that and, and that margaret find it found the time to come back on ebony and irony this week hey margaret hi thank you thank you so much and, and of, of course we're talking about six asian women who were shot by a, a young guy he had gotten the gun permit on that day um, and was heading down to Florida when apprehended. Margaret has made a powerful Instagram video yes. denouncing anti-Asian hate, and we mm -hmm. wanted to get her reactions to this tragedy. Well, you know, it's something that is really upsetting because um, the law enforcement was trying to frame it like from the side of the murderer saying he had a bad day and... I don't know why they make such an effort to humanize the killer and not the victims. You know, it's mm -hmm. like this very strange thing of certain lives have more value. And um, this is one of the things that we're trying to get rid of and, and really understand that this is a hate crime. Yeah. And if, if not even just against Asian women, it's also women. 
Yeah. Right. It's really sickening. But mm-hmm. the thing that I don't understand is that we're we're all trying to make sense of it. And we don't know everything right now. We know that six Asian were killed to uh, you know, a couple that was in one of the massage parlors was killed, but mm-hmm. we don't know. The dust has not yet settled. I don't know if it's a, a if it's a hate crime. FBI Director Christopher Ray said in an interview with NPR that the investigation into the shooting was ongoing, but at the moment it does not appear that the motive was racially motivated. And politicians from Kamala Harris to Joe Biden have come out and said that they don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, so obviously there were Asian women who were killed. Mm-hmm. And this is truly at the intersection of sex work, gun violence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mental health, and part of a, it's the latest example in growing uh, hatred against Asian Americans. But do we do we know that it is a hate crime now? I think of it as one, yes, for sure. I mean, I I would say that it is because he um, had said that he didn't like the way that Asian women made him feel. Mm-hmm. And that was really enough. I mean, it's really more about um, how we tolerate white terrorism in this country in a way that is really unconscionable. I mean, if you look at this, actually is very similar to Dylan Roof, where yeah. the police were incredibly accommodating to him after he had. They took him to McDonald's. They got him food. They were yeah. like, "It's okay." Like that was the. I, 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 to echo what, to echo what Margaret is saying, I think that the the bigger issue is that when someone of color commits would commits these same atrocities they are they are immediately labeled as such whereas mm-hmm. when it's a white person it's not and so it's like the same agency that you give people of color when they do bad things give that same agency and the same that same energy to white to straight cis white dudes when they do the same thing yeah i mean murderers are murders and if you're Period. admitting to it as they both did it's mm-hmm. obvious they're guilty mm-hmm. why do they get this kid glove treatment from law enforcement where even innocent people of color are not even given the same. Yeah. You know, it's like a very, I mean, you see how uh, broken our system is yeah. in that we're having to um, really coddle these white killers. I think it just, it, it gives, it shoots them up to fame. It shoots yeah. them up to a notoriety that they maybe never would have had if they hadn't committed these acts. And I think it causes others to want to do the same thing. That kid in Kenosha uh, that happened a few months ago, literally oh, yeah. walking with a gun, and the police are like, "Yeah, go right ahead." Yeah, dude. Like, go ahead. You, go ahead. Like that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That was an Asian dude. That was a black dude. That was um, a Latinx dude. It would literally never would ever happen. Period. No. Not even a little bit. No. Well, I see that you know, the police will coddle white victims. I mean, and that is, you know, part of white supremacy cops that kill black people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the cops that apprehend black people. Sure. But white supremacy is the belief. And I've seen white supremacy called out as a, as a, as a culprit of this by many mm-hmm. leading voices. White mm-hmm. supremacy is the belief that uh, white people are better 
than other races and that they are to dominate and that the other races' concerns don't matter. I have not seen any indication that this is what this guy was doing. There was an article on the the uh, Korean Sun that said, an eyewitness said that he said, the shooter said, kill all Asians. I have mm-hmm. not seen that reported in the U.S. media. Um, so, I, I mean, when we're throwing terms like white supremacy around, and I'm trying to understand this, I'm not saying this because I'm, <laughs> I want to defend white people or I want to defend white supremacy. I'm from Atlanta. I moved, I'm from Chattanooga and moved to New York from Atlanta. I wanted to get away from those small minds. I know that they're racist. I know that they're homophobic and I know that, but this, this, this is, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know if white supremacy is what this was. I don't think that, that any of us do. Right. But even if it's specifically not this crime, it's the way that crimes like this are framed. Right. And the, what the, what the perpetrators are, are treated like compared to perpetrators of color. And it's, it's more of um, a larger issue than this one particular crime. Although this crime really does um, put a very important sort of stamp on the need to end racial violence towards Asians because of the coronavirus. That that that's also part of the issue is that we've all been going on for a year um, about these crimes, the escalation of them, and I'm, I'm sure that a lot of them are going unreported as well. So it's mostly um, the way that society reacts to it and the way that. Uh, we have a system that seems to excuse the bad behavior of white men in particular mm-hmm. and not um, give the same kind of leniency or concern or care to perpetrators of color. Yeah, and I think, and I think that what, the, what is the overarching theme here is that, that, yes, this direct incident may not be quote unquote um, white supremacy, but I think if you if 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 you are targeting a specific group of people, a minority, people that you 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 obviously are putting less value on their lives, and so in that way, there is some type of white supremacist in the in the ingredients of this soup, if you will, there is like that exists somewhere where you are targeting a specific group and you are demeaning them and you, and they are less than, they are not as that group of people that, cause he, he puts it, well, you said it's only in the Korean sun and it hasn't been in, in um, the American media, but who, who knows our, our fucking uh, news system is so fucked. Um, well, I, but, I, I, uh, I agree there, but I mean, if we are looking at violence against Asian people as something that we want to stop. There's mm-hmm. actually a 28, uh, 2018 report that a lot, a disproportionately large amount of the violence against the Asian community is from black people. So this is not just about white men. And if we really want to look at I mean, there was a 2010 report in the San Francisco Chronicle about um, you know how this is happening a lot in 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 uh, against Koreans in San Francisco where Margaret is from, and it gets so messy because I think we should focus on the victims of this 
awful tragedy without spinning wildly into, but you know, th- 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 this, this is what we're doing. I mean, I've seen like, for example, Daniel Day Kim. Not Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> uh, Daniel Day Kim, you know, has been, you know, at the forefront of this. And he tweeted something about, you know, showing a picture of this white killer and another tweet about an incident that happened in San Francisco and the guy was was black and everyone was outraged that, you know, he was comparing the two. So, uh, you know, and, and one, one Teen Vogue reporter named Kim Tram said, listen, because Daniel was, was offering a $25,000 um, reward for information about uh, this. And so Kim Tran said, tweeted, listen, if you don't understand why it's problematic to offer 25000 for information about a black man in Oakland, I need you to stay off the goddamn panel. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Margaret, do you have people in uh, San Francisco still who are now scared to go out? I'm scared to go out. I mean, I'm scared. I mean, I think as an older Asian woman, it's actually like it's hard out there for people like me. It's really Mm -hmm. scary. And it's very much like being the target because, um, you know what it is? Even though that there are instances of black on Asian violence, it's still because of white supremacy. Because we're put we're put to, together from this idea of the the myth of the model minority, and right. that statement is such a um, damaging one to be a model minority because it makes it seem like other minorities are not the model, right. and so it pits us against each other as if our only value is our. Um, relationship to the white patriarchy go ahead well and uh, well there was there's there's this washington post article and there's this quote that 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 i think kind of really helps us out here he says we're taught that if we want to succeed in this country he's talking about um, asian americans this was this was written by um um, probable gurung um he said we're taught that if we want to succeed in this country we should not align ourselves with those that are at the bottom but to align with the dominant culture aka white people that proximity to whiteness will keep us safe i think that that is what a lot of minorities feel they're like if we can assimilate as much to whiteness they will see us they will see us like them and they will treat us as such which is which is why you see so uh, uh, um, colorism in Asian and Black communities, in Latinx communities. It's like the the, the people in the in the minority that are that are lighter, that have finer hair, that have white features. They are allegedly treated better. So it's like people are are, stri- are aspiring to have that and to have that so that they white people can accept them. And I think that's a big part of what that is. And pitting, so so saying that so saying, girl, when you come to America or when you are whatever in, in your country. Don't align yourself with the black people. They're at the bottom. You don't want that. You want to elevate yourself and be like white folk. Can you understand? Can you describe the? I don't. I've only heard the model minority phrase in the past le- week. What What does that mean? It is really like um, about to describe the immigrant population of Asians as being um, law abiding. Um, you know serving society people who don't make a fuss who aren't out there marching for their rights basically that's what it is mm-hmm. it's like they don't cause a fuss about racism they don't cause a fuss about being in that particular 
place in society. And the reason that you do see like Asian and black violence together is because we're living together. We're in the same neighborhoods. I grew up in a black neighborhood. It's because we're just together and that white society frames us as being um, not together. And yeah. then so we we reflect that and that's the problem too. It also it it also comes from the same lens that they do. Oh, um but uh this age old thing. But no one's talking about black on black crime. Well, yeah, that's cuz black people live like black people kill black people like yeah, that's not like a new thing because we're we live in the same communities. Of course, we're together. Of course, black yeah. people kill black people. Asian Asians and black folk live in the same communities. That's going to happen. So, but they push this narrative to make it seem like but no, but they're the ones getting you. You should be angry at them. And I think Again, that is part of the whole problem of supremacy. Yeah. So obviously there's been a huge uptick in anti-Asian violence because of the coronavirus. Trump has made inflammatory comments about the Wuhan flu, China flu, Kung flu, um, or Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the China virus, Wuhan virus. And, you know, Talk uh, so this while this incident is horrific. This is like a cap on what a year or more. There've been mm-hmm. like three thirty five hundred or, or more cases of mm-hmm. anti Asian hate reported in the last year. So yeah, um, you know, obviously it's gotten worse. And and mm-hmm. have you felt this and heard this from other Asian people? Because one of the ideas that I'm hearing is that. You know, we're not really listening to Asian people and the Asian people are are different. You know, Asian people aren't the necessarily the model minority. They're not necessarily affluent. So I don't know if I loaded that question, but it's it's, it's just tell us how, you know, it, it, it has changed since Trump's remarks and the coronavirus, because it's a dumb right. thing to do to think that Asian-Americans are responsible for something in China. I know. Well, it's the casual nature of his racism that gives um, authority to people to commit violence against Asian people. Like it has more to do with his attitude towards making very flippant, casual remarks about race that makes it permissible for other people to feel like they can do whatever Mm -hmm. they want. And that's the problem. Right. Yeah. This didn't start, though, with Trump. And it didn't mm-hmm. start with the coronavirus. And so the, the, the response is often to say, let's funnel this frustration um, into uh, the left, the de- Democrats who want to pass stronger hate crime laws. But mm-hmm. this has really gone on for so long to where Asians are painted as other. I mean, this this mm-hmm. idea is definitely out there. So I don't know what uh, will will help hate crimes help. What else you know that would streamline like a database of 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 hate crimes? You know, in in each state, make it easier to make the complaints. Do, do, when you specify something as a hate crime, does that mean that the penalty is worse? I don't know all of this stuff. I think the penalties are worse. The the way that the crimes are framed are worse. I think it has more to do with the sort of legal proceedings of whatever happens in that particular state. 
but it also makes it really societally unacceptable to commit hate crimes. That's what's more important. Like, if you look at Matthew Shepard and James Byrd, uh. these two instances happened in the 90s. And they really um, encouraged a really, like, hard look at what we consider a hate crime. Because those two crimes are motivated by hate and mo motivated in a sense of, like, this is now we're going to look at hate crimes in this way. And I think that's what really changed the attitude towards um, crimes against racial groups, um, gays, or anybody who is considered other. So I think that we just need to maybe widen the scope of what we consider groups to hate, which is depressing, but needed. I don't I, I don't always know that legislation is going to change things that's in people's heart and has been in people's heart for a century. You know, mm -hmm. when I, I mean, our our uh, because of the coronavirus, because China is ascending as an economic power. And I don't want to say that, you know, Korean, Asian, you know, Filipino, Vietnamese are the same because that's another thing that we have to look at. But um, in this 2010 San Francisco report where an official said that, you know, that he they suggest that Asian stores hire more blacks to develop trust, that there that more bilingual cops are needed because there's a language barrier that prevents Asian reporting violence. Other things that have been thrown out there are donating to anti-hate groups, uh, you know, uh, attending rallies. What else do we need to do? I think those are all great ways to action. I think also social media has been a big help, especially now. Um, during this mm -hmm. still quarantine time, but there's different ways, but I feel like legislation helps on one level, but then it, it is a kind of like it, it comes down to what we can do ourselves. Right. Yeah. But I think, and I think, I think a lot of it is that it is for people of color and my and minorities, Asian, Asians, Asian Americans, uh, African Americans, Latinx folk, is that the realization that our liberation from oppression is together and it's not on some, well, on, it's only Black Lives Matter right now or it's only Stop Asian Hate right now. That's all we can focus on. It's like, yes, we can, we can look at all of this together and move together in order to stop like you know like a big collective resistance i feel that is is stronger than segmenting and seg and like segregating our our fights you know what i mean as right. a, a, aligning us together more to stream i feel like like an atrocity against one is, is an atrocity against all of us and let's fucking fix this shit that's it's right too much that's right I, I, I do agree with that but there are also statistics that say that it isn't just white people doing this and if, if black people are doing this disproportionately you know a lot this is not um that that's not white supremacy mm -hmm. you know i mean i don't want to mm -hmm. be like i'm defending my whitey people because i'm not but where is it but where is it disproportionately black people are harming asian americans is my question well, like the, where is that the, the statistics it's were that in 2018 was from the from the uh fbi uh were that the Asian, in cases where Asians were victims, it was 24% uh, committed by whites. It was 27% committed.
committed by blacks, and obviously they are a much smaller uh, part of the community. So that is right. disproportionate. Now the Asians aren't attacking anyone. The statistics say they're they're not. You know, they're not responsible for many of these crimes at all. But if we want to look at the stopping anti-Asian hate, we have to look at who is committing it. And that does Mm -hmm. get messy. But I don't know that it always fits, you know, the the narratives. Mm -hmm. Well, when you look at like the population numbers, when uh, African-Americans are 15 percent of the population and white people are over 50 percent of the population, so that 23% of white people is grossly, uh, uh, substantially more than the pe- than the 27% people, uh, black people. You see, you see what I'm saying? So no, but yes, I the- think it's the opposite because if a larger percentage, 27%, is committing the violence against Asian people, then the whites 24%, and white is a larger group. Doesn't that mean the opposite? It's it's more. It's more. <laughs> I'm trying to do math. I literally have I know. no idea. What I'm I don't know. This is not what this is not what the why the statistics were shared i can't do math but i mean the the article quoted in the san francisco chronicle quoted a an asian american saying that that the black on asian crime in san francisco in 2010 was uh san francisco's dirty little secret so i i don't know when the campaign was going i watched a campaign ad from trump and a campaign ad from Joe Biden, both of them, when I watched it, I was like, wow, it was such anti-China sentiment that I was like, what is going on here? I didn't realize that China was our military foe. Mm-hmm. And because of constant portrayals, and I mean, in, in mainstream media where they're like a dragon's fist crushing a globe, you know, red and yellow you know, artwork of like, you know, a Mona Lisa holding a fan. We, we are, we have a cold war going on and China is now seen as U.S.'s greatest enemy. Half of, and some of it is because of this news coverage. Half of Americans believe that China is the world's leading economic power and, and a record 63% now say the economic power of China is a critical threat to the U.S. So I think part of this is coming from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's also similar to what happened after 9-11 with what happened to the Arab American community here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have these eras where we feel like we've got to somehow fight against this enemy that isn't even really exactly real. It's just like Cold Wars, like Russia. Yeah. Like whatever it is, you know, it's this perceived threat. But I don't even know what the threat even means because we're such a globalized, you know, country, too. So we represent every country in in the world. I I will say I'm very upset that this woman had to defend herself this way. But shout out to that elderly um, Asian woman in Seattle, I think it was, who that guy attacked her and she mollywopped and fucked his shit all the way up. I know, I love that. That made me feel so good. Oh, I loved it. She destroyed him. And I was like, yeah, bitch, you thought that you you thought that you you was going to try me, but I got you. I loved it. So exhilarating. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Monet, I was walking around in my neighborhood the other day and I saw mm-hmm. this young lady in a stunning, like, tapestry coat that you could see down the block. And obviously, they were shooting a scene. Um, I got past her and was like, I've got to get a picture of this. Who makes this coat? Well, it was none other than our next guest, Margaret Cho, appearing in a film (gasps) with, uh, you know, uh, drag New York City drag legend Charles Bush, who has done several (laughs) plays, loads of plays, a couple movies. And she was there in a scene. And I didn't want to break her conversation and say hi, but I did snap a picture. And I just said, it's been too long since I've caught up with this girl. Let's welcome Margaret Cho, everybody's Margaret favorite comedian. Cho. Yes. Oh. I love you. I wish I could have said hi. I didn't even, I mean, that coat was sweaty. And uh, I, did, I hey, do love that coat. I do love that listen, coat. Listen, wigs and makeup, all of it are sweaty, honey. Honestly, so, honestly. So sweaty. You know, Margaret, anytime I do like something on set for like, a commercial, a little acting or whatever, and like they always like break, everyone takes a break, and they're like, okay, 30 minutes. And I'm like, for what y'all to realize for 30 minutes a drag queen a that's not enough time we have to uncourse it we have to unpad to go into all the things that everyone can just like go and do in five minutes it takes us 30 so minutes hard. to do those things so i always like no i need more time oh but you it's know. really hard it's like there's so many i mean with drag there's so many layers of the things that you have to do <laughs> Yes, yes. And you know, and you growing up in San Francisco, I want to know, when was the first, who was the, do you remember the first queen you met and where was this? Was this at uh, uh, the Castro? This was in the Polk um, (laughs) district, which was the um, first Castro. It was kind of like Castro, Mm. but it was more, um, it it was like really, because Castro had kind of a mix of men and women, but the Polk Gulch was all men. And they would mm. all wear, this was like 1977, so everybody wore like an outfit, like a cop uniform, but with pierced nipples, or cowboy, a lot of cowboys. It was like very literal interpretations of the village people, gotcha. but it, it was very normal. And then I would look down like a, you know, a, uh, an alley, and I would see um, a cop blowing a cowboy or a construction worker (laughs) or a general in an army general. And it was like, I loved the outfits. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first queen that I met, actually he was a drag queen. It was Jerome Kaja who died, but uh, he was a very, very prolific uh, drag queen and also amazing visual artist. So he would paint um, and do these sort of, hybrid sculpture paintings out of makeup 
So um, there are these beautiful things that were actually in museums all over the world. And um, so he uh, was in a show at the haagen with another queen who was a, a professor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did um, drag fighting. They would do like almost like world WWF. Or, or it was almost like very like cage fighting. It was really like scary very masculine fighting, but in drag. And then they took... Oh, it's kind of uh, like Untucked with Candy Muse and Felicia Imad. Very butch, very threatening. (laughs) (laughs) MMA, but also Untucked. Got you. um, But it was at a Haagen-Dazs, so there was ice cream, and then I think somebody shoved um, a chocolate popsicle up a... Jerome's asshole. And that was, no, Margaret, that was not chocolate ice cream. Sorry, girl. <laughs> you, now, now, if this was 77, what, you were coming on the scene? At, at, yeah, because my parents owned a bookstore on, they bought a bookstore on Polk Street called Paperback Traffic. Um, and it was a gay bookstore. So it was like a different light. Oh, okay. One of those gay bookstores. And, and, and so, we and so had Polk, like Armistead Mopin would do readings. Your dad used to write joke books too. Yeah. So and he, you, he wrote spy novels too. So, <laughs> so, so do you say that your comedy comes from your dad? Yeah, your I think sense so. Of humor? Got it. I think so. And also just the idea that you can live a life that's rooted in outsider culture, which for my dad was like this gay bookstore, this um, <laughs> immigrant family, mm-hmm. this uh, very, and everybody was getting full body tattoos in the seventies. So this is a very like weird time. And then there was like gay romance novels of like, they were drawings of young men standing by a lake underneath a full moon. And they just say cobalt. And it had all of these gay romance novels on a spinning rack. And then also the classic magazines like Honcho and Blue Boy. And even the Charles so Atlas were... bodybuilding magazines. This is so long ago. Okay. They would now, have now my, those. my question is, now I have been to gay, when I was a, a youth, when I was about 12, 13, I used to go to gay bookstores in New York City. That's yeah. how I, that's the first, that's where I first discovered glory holes. Did y'all have glory holes at your, at your, um, at, at your, at your family bookstore? <laughs> We didn't have a glory hole, but okay. it it was that we had a couple of bars on the street that like one was for called the End Touch, which was specifically for men who appreciated young Asian men. Word. And and it was so that was like it was all of these older guys coming and meeting really young Asian men who had just come from Laos and Vietnam. Gag. And uh, so then you had some a little bit of drag there, but that was mostly a hookup. Yeah, it. it was the the Polk was kind of a hustler area with like low rent yeah. drag queens, right? Kind of seedy. Yeah, it was pretty seedy, and yet at the same time, it was like probably a prototype to Folsom Street. Like it was kind of mm. before Folsom, but that's sort of where like leather queens would go. That's where maybe older queens would go. That's where you Got would it. like, it was less about the Castro. There was the Castro clones yeah. with all the guys in like the tank tops and a mustache. And like the a hankies. Really neat, neatly the trimmed hanky mustache. Coat. Hanky coat is more Polk Street. 
Okay. Got okay. it. Got so, it. The hanky yeah. coat, for those that don't know, in the 70s, eight, maybe 80s, a little bit, gay men would wear different color handkerchiefs. The colors each said, I like to suck a dick. I like to take a dick. I like to fist give a thing, dick. I like to all fist, thing, yeah. poop, whatever you liked. Yeah. yeah. I that was all. Those. That was I hanky remember. coat was very that. Got it. it was, it's closer to like, um, I guess, like the meatpacking district than it is to like Christopher Street. Got it. Okay. And then, and then, so, so obviously, and you have this huge, huge, huge Santa career where you talk about everything. Uh, uh, you are so, you are so irreverent, but still at the same time so, so charming and you, and Aww, you're so endearing in the way that, in, in, in the way that you do comedy. How do you, how do, you, how does that contrast to, you know, everything? And not, not that you would say anything that's so not PC, but like you know, today the the the, the comedy climate and landscape is very different. How how, yeah. how 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 have you acclimated your comedy to the current landscape? I know they're coming for the culture. The yeah. kids, the children are coming for the culture, and then when yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just like I think that the offense people have been always been offended, but they just didn't have a platform to parade around their offense, and mm -hmm. now they do. I think we just hear it more. But yeah. it, I think it makes you more thoughtful about what are you going to say or what you're going to do. Like it's, I think it does serve us. Like and that gets very difficult to be racist and homophobic and mm -hmm. sexist. I mean, people do it obviously, right? And there are no repercussions. Like Morgan Wallen, even though what... like all he's the one, um, he's the country music star that mm -hmm. got taken off of like all of the streaming platforms and. And, and oh. not eligible for any sort of awards anymore, but he was like the number one country artist. What oh. did he say that was so offensive? Yeah, what did he, he say? I don't know. That. He was um, he was caught on a ring camera, um, and very casually saying the n word, in a in a descriptive way to get somebody off of it, off of bothering him. Uh -huh. Did somebody take care of this? And it was so to me that what disturbed me is that it wasn't used in a way that was hateful it was the casual hate behind it that really freaked me out right. because it wasn't like used to put somebody like it, it's like it wasn't an aggression it was like right. a very casual way so that he it rolls off the tongue mm. so easily so passive about it just like it just like it's, it's just a like normal part of speech yeah 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 it, that really it, upset me is he southern yeah that might fall off his tongue easier Right, right, right. <laughs> but I think if you're from the South, you have to be, because like, I lived in Atlanta for years, and the people there are so conscious of mm -hmm. it being a salt and pepper city. They yeah. don't want, because there there's more like mixed race couples there than anywhere I've seen. Mm -hmm. That There's yeah. such a consciousness that we're like, this is a black city. That's true, and, and you if don't, you, you if don't you live do that. there, then you yeah, if you yeah. live there, you want that experience. But there's a lot of you know areas outside suburbs, smaller cities, and rural mm -hmm. areas where they're not so um, yeah. conscious yeah, yeah. or they don't care. So that yeah. is true. It's very weird though, like that. What now in this this era that people wouldn't care because it, it's like we're just. I think we're starting to wake up to race in a way that. Um, it's it's weird because when you're when you we're so hunkered down with identity because all of us have to deal with gayness and then mm -hmm. there's like a lot of racism within gayness as well. Yeah. And a lot of bias within gayness. So just kind of negotiating that within the already minority 
status of being gay. Yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. We have a lot to yeah. deal with. So it's kind of adding cancel culture on top of that. It, it's, it can be quite overwhelming. I know I can maybe name six openly queer comedians and you um, obviously Margaret Cho is literally at the top of the list. I can't think of anyone bigger in, in queer comedy and quick well, in comedy in general, but also, also being openly queer as well. Like yeah. why aren't there, why aren't there more queer comedians? I mean, I know a lot of them, but not a lot of them that yeah. have amassed a lot of popularity or are bigger. You know what I mean? They're all just so small and local. It's weird because there's we get so much humor from gay culture and the gay outlook and the right. outsider point of view is always comedic, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just society's ultimate homophobia and fear mm. of that, you know? And, you know, that's something you, that we're like, how did break you break down. free from that? And how, how, how did you, how did, how did you get your star to shine so bright? I think I just came in at the right time and I got mm. lucky because it was this era where, identity was like they were looking for somebody to be a different person and kind mm -hmm. of be in comedy so this idea of diversity was just trendy when I started so it was a little easier but it's mm. still there's still no visibility it's like how do you even know you can do any of this when you don't see it in front of you yeah of course one of your funniest bits is your uh, imitations of your wacky oh my mom. God. My so mom. Good. Who is you are gay. Oh, you're so gay. You know, that I just have a vaccine number two. So now I can roll dog everything. She's good. I do the bell backing. She, and I'm, I'm like, just say it like that. And she's like, I don't know that I'm going to join the OnlyFans. <laughs> I only, I only, but I really do need fans because I get kind of sweat and it be hot. <laughs> Air condition doesn't go very low, so I need only fan. But I look at only fan and then I was, I was really looking for fans. I didn't, I said I have to go Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> now I met your mom. Yes, at, at, at she's a bunny wedding. fan. Yes, that's wild. She's a big bunny. She's a big bunny fan. She saw you at uh, Wigstock. Oh, okay, Word. but she doesn't. I mean, she she obviously has two sides to her—the comedy side that you play up. Yes, she's funny though. <laughs> she is a very she's a funny person, but she's also like she comes from this place where Asian women are really invisible, you know. Mm. So she feels seen whenever I talk about her. And so she always tries to share stories that are like um, my, uh, I think, you know, my attempt to like push her into the light. Oh, no, this please, is yeah. Petco is outside. You guys, I need to get that oh, dog God. food. Oh my God, here. girl. I get all of my, I get all of my cat food and cat litter and everything delivered. Cause Ooh. I cannot be, first of all, I'm in New York. I don't have a car. So trying to get, we, we both have Sphinx cats. Oh my God. You have a Sphinx cat. I have two. Oh my God! And, okay, um, Margaret, I saw you I'm thinking about bath. getting a second one. Yes, you should get another one. But it's like the skincare. How do you like she? Yours is very good in the bath. She is. I don't feel like she is, but okay, I guess she is. I mean, mine scream like they're being <laughs> boiled in oil. Like the only thing they'll do is like a towelette. Mm. But I, they do let me do their ears. Really, they're real fine about the ears. They let me do like um, a makeup brush on their face to get all their nose and eye boogies. Uh -huh. And they let me brush their teeth. 
but they're just not having it with a bath. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I'm grateful for that. She does do it. Yeah, Bunny, do you, I can't do, you bathe do you do you bathe your pussies often, no, I, Bunny? No, I can't bathe my rats either. I, I don't have pets, <laughs> but the mice and the roaches feed themselves. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's cute for me. I used to travel for work, but you mentioned that your mom got vaccine. I think Monet, you just got a vaccine, right? Yes, I just got my first dose on Friday, and um, it was New York City. Honestly, has it figured out? It was pretty quick and easy and painless. Only my only complaint was afterwards. Well, not a complaint, but I guess you just par for the course. My arm was like in a lot of pain yesterday, but today it's much better, and um, I feel great. I feel fine. Well, honey, just a quick fix. If you chop off your arm, it will not hurt anymore. <laughs> I saw this fun fact and tell me how you feel about this and I when I heard it I was really gagged I was like is this can't be right but in America in the United States there are only 15 one five lesbian bars in the entire continental United States and I was like yeah. there is no way I feel like there had to be more lesbian bars than that I mean it's it's really um, it's really tragic you know, yeah. because bars are really where we sort of begin the planning of the revolution. And it's just, <laughs> it, I don't know what it is. I, I, I think it's, I mean, part partly now to this definitely pandemic, but there were definitely, it was way before this that we'd seen the decline of lesbian mm-hmm. bars. I used to go to the Palm in uh, West Hollywood, which is I've a very classic. The Palm. Hmm. It's a very classic there- one. There's one in New York, the Cubby Hole. I love the Cubby Hole. I've, I've, I've been there often. I've been there like twice. The Cubby Hole is cute, though. Oh, they said there was only 200 uh, lesbian bars to begin with. Because, I mean, yeah. lesbians, there's, the stereotype is that they stay at home with their lover. Right. And right, when they right. do go out, they're very obnoxious right. and make requests to the DJs. Like one that, <laughs> one that came up to me at 345 at a gay bar where there were all, all men and said, how you, there were only about four left because they're about to close. She said, how am I supposed to dance? If you, how am I supposed to get laid if you don't play any salsa? And I'm like, um, darling, the genre of music hasn't been invented to get you laid in a room of four men, and you wouldn't want them anyway. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> lesbians Bobby. do like to get, they do like to be demanding when they get drunk because they're they're gonna sort things out and run the music and then go get a screwdriver and. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. So good. Margaret, when you go out, what type of what type of going out are you? I feel like you are at the bar with your cocktail having conversation. You don't strike me as a, I'm on the middle of the dance floor uh, uh, giving you potable raids, kickball changes, and dancing, dancing, dancing. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I have gone to a few of those every once in a while. Like, I'll go to, like, Purgatory in a Provincetown when I'm there, and somebody will give me poppers. That's always really funny. <laughs> I always really enjoy the poppers, but I never, yeah, I, I, I don't really go, to, if I go to like the bar, I mean, usually like it's a quieter place and then it's more um, just to hang out or I'm, I, before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of classes. So I was oh. doing this Japanese bondage workshops and I was learning all of the knots because I was going to be a top. That was my big 2020 Work. plan. Wait, it's wait, girl, Margaret, Margaret, hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, you, you, so you were going to bondage classes before the yeah. pandemic? Yeah. Work. 
And I was Margaret. seeing this girl who was like 30 and she was Japanese and she looked just like me, but like 30. And so it was like, people are like, oh, this is your daughter? And I'm like, oh my God, no. No. And, um, but yeah, I was doing that. I was doing a pony play. I didn't really understand what? pony play, but. What is it? Yeah, pony what play is... is when you get in a harness and sort of trussed up like a horse. And then uh-huh. you have like a big peacocky, not peacocky, but it's like that big feather yeah. headpiece. Uh-huh. And oh, bitch. I think I've done that. And sometimes I'll put on a big blonde wig and I will still look like a horse. <laughs> no. Without really, any of the rest I of the mean, costume. It's really, it, it is, cost, but it's costumey. And, but it's kind of, it's fun. It's yeah. sort of on the hybrid of like, furry but there's no actual fursuit but you're sort of anthropom- anthropomorphized into this animal see that's when role play gets me i can't role play with any intricate costumery first of all i'm sweaty okay so if we and i i was seeing this guy okay well we're still kind of seeing each other, but not really because he lives in Australia. But anyway, but he's, he's really into like rubber play and he'll yeah. send me like things and he's in, like a full rubber vacuum sealed thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I sweat too much for that. That's too much. It's costume is too much. In drag, I'm already so hot and sweaty. I can't imagine yeah. having to be fucking and I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm all uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Yeah, but the kink is the uncomfortableness. The kink is the sweat. So that's that's the only part of it. Yes. I don't like latex. I'm not a latex queen myself. Got you. Got but you. I do definitely. I agree. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, and it's it's to me it's very claustrophobic. Yeah, that's the thing. This, the, this, the claustrophobia of it all is too much. I can't. Very unsettling. Yeah, well, but the rope we... rope is beautiful. Rope. Okay. Maybe yeah. we Sorry. can use a dominatrix to uh, put masks on people. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what they need. I think that this whole thing is going to make like a whole bunch of like um, fetishes come out of coronavirus. I think we're going to have droplet porn. Oh, no. It's going to get real weird and kinky <laughs> because people subvert their desires when they're being restricted. Uh-huh. So um, I wonder what kind of kinks are going to come out of this in particular. Maybe like a whole fetish where you like you're like you're you're bound up in ropes and someone is just pretending to sneeze on you and they actually do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very that. Huh. Or do you mean like a lot of spray? Or do you mean like when I'm in my girdle and it's making me look thinner and I eat a piece of cake or two? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, speaking, okay. I, I, I I think it's um, you know, obviously I'm not for authoritarian regimes, but and I don't I don't know whether I trust the numbers of the coronavirus from coming out of uh you know China or not, but um sometimes it seems to me like we need to get these fools to lock down. <laughs> And get them some money so that they can lock down. I mean, I I don't know exactly what China did, but didn't they kind of just like say, okay, in a no-nonsense way, we're coming to your house and testing everybody, and then we Mm -hmm. are taking the ones who are have coronavirus and 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 you know quarantining them and quarantining everyone that came in contact with them. I mean. Well, it seems would, like like every other city except America, like in, in in New Zealand, they found seven cases and they shut the whole country down. Which is so well, great. They shut everything down. No, everyone go back home. No yeah. work, no school. Seven cases, we're done. I'm like, that's yeah. how we need to be. That's but, how know. it has to be. They took it yeah. seriously. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you know which I, is we, I, did, we didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did see this um, because the only thing, the only new thing in the equation of shutting down, the numbers go down, opening up partially, the numbers go up. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. the only new thing is in the mix is the vaccine. So I'm hopeful um, for that. And I yeah. think yeah. Monet and I just got our first shot. So, Great. Um, but, but yeah, it, 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 a doctor was tweeting that today. I don't remember her name. I know it sounds shifty. A doctor um, <laughs> who I met <laughs> outdoors, um, you know, uh, she was just saying we have two choices, a full lockdown or a partial lockdowns. The partial lockdowns haven't been working. So, while I'm hopeful, I have to say, oh, I hope, you know, yeah. I hope we yeah. are rounding yeah. the corner. It does make you feel very hopeful to get a vaccine. And I was like, oh, you know, um, you know, I'm, I, I, there was a, a little bit of a feeling of I'm invincible now that I've just had one of something yeah. that you need two of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but it's it the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, True. speaking speaking on the speaking on the pandemic, obviously, Margaret, you probably you you know um, the the hate for Asian Americans has been it has literally like quadrupled since the pandemic. People mm-hmm. are fucking ridiculous. O- Olivia Munn had that experience yeah, where um, that is where. Can you just please speak to that and and what are your thoughts about it? It's really t- it's scary and it's also very triggering too because we have so much. Uh, anti-Asian American hate crime. We have a long history of it, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very, um, a lot of it is silenced because there's a long history in our culture of being kind of like emotionally shut down and not talking of like painful experiences because we usually like all our countries are like war-torn countries. So my family had a long oral tradition of not talking about anything. Mm. So... It's And then going into other battles. So my parents went into the gay community coming out of this sort of like Korean War stuff, mm-hmm. which is an, an interesting thing because Korea is also pretty traditionally homophobic. Mm-hmm. It's a very patriarchal, toxic masculinity culture. So mm-hmm. it's but there's a, a feeling of like now there's a generation of Asian Americans here that we're not going to tolerate this kind of blind racism. And it's it's also they know it's not right. It has it comes from. Like, you know, Trump and all of the China flu, Kung flu, China virus. Every time he could say China virus, he would say it like Mm -hmm. it's not even a joke. It's not even and that viruses are not personal. It's not something that comes from a race of people may have originated in that country, but it it comes to everyone in the same way. So it's a very it's very disheartening. Yeah. I did not hear about Olivia Munn. Where is the 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 racial hatred being manifested? Um, I mean, I was. I think it was her friend's mom. Her friend's or, parent. Her friend's her parent. friend's elderly elderly mom was mm-hmm. attacked, and th- yeah. there's like oh. a whole rash of things. That, but since the coronavirus started, and since the everything, the pandemic, it, there have been countless oh, yeah, instances yeah. of it. it. I mean, it. You know, there was like. So many um, that a lot of Asian Americans were wearing like the cameras, like a GoPro to capture it. At mm-hmm. least we have a way to capture it. But I mean, it, it's certainly something that is just like, why are we like this? Why? Why is this happening? But yeah. people are angry because they don't know what to do. And then I'm like, just wear a fucking mask. Yeah. And also just people's people's gut reaction to like resort to violence. They're like, I'm bad. It's like, yeah. I'm just my, my gut reaction is to just be violent and hateful. I'm like, well, got it. We see who you are. 
Uh, but that happened after AIDS because pe- there was so much violence towards gay people. And it mm. was silenced by the press because they just don't want to like talk about they don't want to talk about the the disease the pandemic that was AIDS but there was this anger and toxic masculinity that needed somebody to pay for it Mm -hmm. as if we weren't suffering enough so it's a it's definitely reminds me of what happened um during AIDS uh you know all of that that same kind of ignorance and rage um taken out on the wrong people I mean this is this is typical uh, fair of the Trump administration to pin something on a minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mm-hmm. other words, tying, uh, you know, get, getting the votes of working class, uh, you know, blue collar people who thought that their jobs were gone because of immigrants from uh, Central America, Mexico, etc. You know, so it's, it's it, again, it's blaming the the Asian people who live here who may not even be Chinese um, for a disease which originated in in China. I mean, he he scapegoats. That's Trump's thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Uh, not as nuanced as somebody like Ronald Reagan who did the same thing for the gay community. Yet he just silenced everything and just stopped funding and, you know, he sort of just like shoved it under the rug. It's just as negative. Yeah. It's just that Trump's not as nuanced or like articulate as somebody like Ronald Reagan, who, you know, was this sort of American star. So it's a very like it's just the same shit they've been doing forever. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I do I, I do host a lot of stuff and I, I speak. I have podcasts and stuff and I use as, as, as a black man, I use the N word a lot freely. And I, you know, I, I you know, I, I say things that sometimes other black folk are like, oh, I wish you wouldn't. You need to stop using that word. Do you experience that when you like uh, uh, talk about your mom or talk about like other Asian things? Like, do you get backlash from your community? Like, I wish you'd stop doing that. Yeah, but it's always from white people, which is like the weirdest thing. <laughs> Because they they really are like uncomfortable with it, and they're like, "Do you think that's racist?" And I'm like, "You know, it's racist that you're asking me that." <laughs> also, it's like I don't want to change my story to make you feel like comfortable with it, you know. But it, it's uh-huh. like people are just wanting wanting to police the way you're that right. we're we're seen, which is fine, yeah. you know. Like it's it, I I don't really take offense at it. Like it's kind of like well, you know, I it, it, there is probably layers of problematic stuff in there there's probably layers of problematic stuff in everything i do but it's just sort of my generation i'm a representative of that yeah so and i'm 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 fine with it but it's like definitely people want to police things because i think it's in service of trying to make society better mm-hmm. in their own view that's yeah. cool. so it's well meaning yeah it's all well meaning yeah yeah for sure well, you know, there are I so I have I have a drag number. I do um if you were gay from Avenue Q and I have like your whole monologue with your mom and I put it in there. But oh. there there are so many drag queens. There's a there's a drag queen in New York City which she's obsessed with. Her name is Jasmine Rice. She has a uh-huh. she's she's a she's a Korean drag queen. She's love a, it. she's an opera singer. She has so many of your bits in her numbers because I love her. So That's funny. Great. Marcus, like I've never heard of her. <laughs> I love her. That's wonderful. No, I'm so excited. I have to go I I wanna go I I'm set the time miss is going out to see drag yeah don't put margaret on the spot jasmine stole her act <laughs> don't, i mean what is she gonna say is she gonna hang up i mean i know she's not on the phone but um you know, drag is so it i miss it because it's just so much what i grew up with 
Yeah. I mean, from like the just the crazy like Empress of San Francisco contest that Chemos, which was the big, Chemos was like the big uh, drag bar in San, on Polk Street. So and that was where they would have Empress of San Francisco. It was like our our pageantry. We never had pageant queens in San Francisco, really. Right, right. Well, was, I, was I, that I the that... Jose? Oh, sorry, Empress the... Jose. Was that back in your day? Yeah, yeah. The, the one who started. I forget the last mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was when the imperial court had a a, a big sense of humor about itself, and they were so campier. Fun. In New York, they're quite grand. <laughs> they well, are. it's they all of it's great. Yeah, <laughs> I was just, I was just saying all that to say to let Margaret know that she has inspired many a drag queen, um, and being someone That's from wonderful. the community, I love that. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> now, one of my I, one joke that I've seen you develop over years, and which I love is when you come into contact with Asian, what we call Asian chicken salad. And oh, yes. You, you, you puff back a, indignantly. They would serve uh, meals on flights. And it, the, the, it, they would, the, the, the guy, the flight attendant was coming down the aisle and he was going to Asian chicken salad, Asian chicken salad to everybody. And he gets to me and he goes, chicken salad. And it was so <laughs> like, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I'm like, this is not the salad of my people. <laughs> and um, so it was a whole long thing about it. But it was this weird thing of like, we're not going to say Asian in front of an Asian. And it was so like, <laughs> it's not racism, but it's like this weird, like, why did you make it like this thing of like, why did you make it like that? Like, it's a very strange experience. So, so, so wait, did, did he, did, could he have possibly th- Thought he was being respectful by yeah, by, so. by, by 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 saying he's going to say Asian to, to everyone else, but then he's going to just say chicken salad <laughs> to you because you're. Asian. I think he was just trying I to make that it could be sort of like he like could he was be saying, I see you. <laughs> so it, I've seen you perform that a couple of times, and on a recent video, mm-hmm. not only did you become indignant at the Asian mm-hmm. chicken salad, <laughs> you go full like 14th century you oh, know, yeah, it's like a samurai. Chinese warrior samurai yeah. squatting Definitely. down to the ground and yeah. mugging. I mean, it is hilarious. It's, it's so a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just ridiculous because it's like this weird, it's so weird, you know, and um, sometimes like when you can find things like that, when race is really uncomfortable, but it's not in a, an obvious way. I think that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Totally. Well, looking forward after, after, after the pandemic, uh, what, uh, what are your, um, you, you have, you have a, a tour coming up. Yeah. I guess when we're, we're done with quarantining, then I'll definitely be, I was, I was on tour and then I was in the middle of it and then, mm. uh, you know, so I still have those shows to do. So we'll see. You know, okay. I, I can't wait to get back out there. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I've got some lot, like streaming things. Yeah, because I'm like, I, I just for, we forget how to do it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could imagine. And and then I, I mean, do you I mean, I, I, I can't imagine uh, uh, for me, for myself as well, to do meet and greets after this. Like we're like, folks, it's like. You can, like stay over there, and I'll stay over here. We'll take out pictures. Social. Yeah. It's, it's all a big learning curve. It's all going to be different, but I think it's going to be good. I think that it's like as long as we can all get vaccinated, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was at a, a restaurant just getting something to go, and they've relaxed the laws here for mm-hmm. uh, New York 
restaurant indoor dining yeah and um there were people obviously eating with their masks off and i was like oh my god you know i, I can't handle this you know then i tried to i left there i was like well honey how are you gonna meet somebody like you used to meet and kiss a, a stranger on the lips and, and i was like oh i mean i do see the vaccine is hopeful but i just i i I can't even imagine not going through it with like the guilt. And I know y'all are going to say, good thing nobody wants to kiss you, Bunny. But just on the off chance that I've, you know, am able to snuggle up to a homeless person while they're asleep. I mean, I mean, okay, I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and say homeless woman, okay, because I'm, I, 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 I like pussy now. So, Aww, I, love I mean, it. I told you I wasn't going to come out of the coronavirus with nothing new. Right. So I am now a straight man. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm so a straight cross dresser. Margaret, I'm so happy that you were able to join us. <laughs> Listen, I am I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You are literally one of the funniest. Yours, um, Ellen DeGeneres was the first Santa special that I ever watched in in my when I was a young kid. And then after that, yours was like the second one I watched. And so Aww. I feel like a lot of my comedic chops come from lesbians, and I'm very grateful it. for both of you. Well, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank well, that's you. not really a fair comparison because Margaret is talented comedian. <laughs> so, I'm guys, not honey. sure that really works, honey. <laughs> I mean, way to make our guests feel at home. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like you. You're a legend. I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, I'm very happy that you have you here. I'm so, so, so I'm grateful. So Thank happy. you so much for joining us. Thank and you do you. a podcast, right? Yes, oh. actually, I have um, a new season coming out, and it's going to be all uh, Asian comedians talking about Asian hate crimes and Asian American crimes. It's called Mortal Min- Minorities. So it's work. It's I'm, I'm going to kind of do a pivot into the true crime space, which I'm very excited about. So Margaret, great. I know your podcast is all Asians, but I'm thinking that if you don't have me on. And Monet, it's going to be racist. Yeah, we'll have you on. I'll have you on. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Margaret. I don't Thank want to cancel you. you before the series even starts. I know, please you know? don't. Thank you, I love Thank you. you. We love you too. Oh. And where can people catch you? Instagram? Oh, Instagram is, is at Margaret underscore Cho. Twitter is at Margaret Cho and MargaretCho.com for everything else. Today, we're talking about life after COVID. You know, well, we're envisioning life after COVID. During during the coronavirus, a lot of us have made lots of decisions and we're... I guess we're, we're trying to see how likely is it that, we're, that we will be able to continue this behavior once the pandemic is over. For example, lots of people are working from home. I have a lot of friends who are in corporate and do things like uh, 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 office stuff, and their jobs have completely been like, you know what? You don't, you don't ever have to come back to the office. Even after the coronavirus, you can work from home for the rest of your career. Or Lady Bunny was saying, like, her uh, not wearing heels. Right, Bun? I mean, I'm curious about uh, the ladies out there um you know are, are heels something that they kind of gave up i mean are you giving up things that are uncomfortable like you know i mean are we basically sitting around in sweats because i know i've been sitting around eating let's take our first stereo call um that's gonna leave us in instrument excitement and wonder what i'm leaving once the pandemic is over is man 
I'm tired of men. I'm tired of them through the whole pandemic. They always want you to please them and send them pictures. And I ain't got time for that. So I'm leaving men behind. I'm just going to be by myself. Girl, girl. <laughs> I feel you so. Well, I feel you, bitch. I mean, I do too because... You know, I mean, I, I mean, what, what can you really do? I mean, except send pictures if you're like me and you have a couple of high risk groups. I mean, we, I've had one vaccine, I get another one this week, but that doesn't mean the, the, the you can't catch it or the, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, you gotta be careful about, you have to be more careful as someone who was not at all careful about sexual partners before this uh mm-hmm. you do have to be careful and you know what i always say this men are pigs and i am one <laughs> because yes they are demanding and yes they are selfish and but that doesn't mean that you can't find the right one however i do understand the frustration hey monica and bunyan what i'm leaving is my house so i can finally finger bunny in the park like i wanted to Oh, how did you know I liked homeless men? <laughs> <laughs> with 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 homeless men, you never have to ask your place or mine. <laughs> oh my God, let's play another one. <laughs> we're, 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 you're you're leaving your house, mine. I hope that's not because of. Uh, you know, mortgage or, 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 or rent that you owe. I mean, I'm sure he was just, you know, being silly. But yeah, I mean, I would love to hear from some ladies. We associate heels with, oh, I'm having a big night out. I'm going out. Not drag queens. We wear them as part of our work. But would our ladies out there, I mean, I mean, sometimes when you take a break for something from something, it's hard to imagine going back to it. Are you dying to bust out in heels? Are you just like, oh, later for you. I've gotten used to to sneakers or, or flats. Yeah, and also and also if for all the for all the non-binary folk out there and men who wear heels as well. I was telling Bunny, I went to the Urban Outfitters in New York on 38th Street and Broadway the other day and all of the male staff, they were Stomping along in heels, girl. I was like, y'all better do it. Uh, let's take a note. We have, we have some, some ladies here. Here we go. Well, actually, I took the quarantine time to learn how to walk in heels. And sometimes when I'm bored in my house, I have nothing to do. I get in full glam. <laughs> put on makeup, put on a cute dress, very tight, very cinched, and walk in my heels around my house. I don't know. <laughs> Girl, same. I same. I slap on heels and stomp around my house all the time. I like. I will like clean. I'll just like walk. Cause I just also I have a I have a, over like a hundred and twenty pairs of heels. Just I just I, I love high heels. Well, I like them, but they're not exactly comfortable. And um, over the years, uh, you know, I do DJ gigs and. Um, those heels have gotten lower and lower, and sometimes I will do the opposite of women who used to wear their sneakers to work in an office and then put their heels on when they get there so that they're not trudging through the from their home to the subway or whatever, you know, to get to work. And so I do the, uh, the, the, the opposite. I walk to work in my heels <laughs> for appearance's sake, but then back behind the 
DJ booth, I will take them off. And there are some, like, you know, fashion queens or whatever that will come and, and mock me and say, oh, no, not the dreaded flats. Because it's a sign of shame for drag queens to wear flats. And my attitude is like, you know what? They don't come to, to me to see, you know, a fashion plate. If they do, they want their money back. And it's like, uh -huh. it, like they want me to bounce around and, 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 and dance and carry on, you know, in the thing. And one queen just wouldn't uh, was wouldn't let wouldn't accept no, was like bunny no not flats yeah and not just flats kept my feet. I, said, I said look i said look you this is a gay bar okay <laughs> you go and find the gay man which is all pretty much the only people in here that is more likely to fuck me because i have jacked my lard up four extra five extra inches you bring them over to me and if I want to fuck them, then I'll put the heels on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least pull a pull a Eureka hair and slap on that little biscuit shoe, a, a, a little scooty or something, girl. Not a flat. Mm -mm, no, ma'am. All right, let's do this one. I would actually like to wear more heels in quarantine. I've kind of expanded what I think is beautiful and what I want to wear. So I will be leaving behind my monochromatic wardrobe and incorporating more color and maybe more heels. That's oh right. God, they're, proving this, they're proving this in style, um, in style article uh, that they're, they're talking about the drop in sales of heels completely wrong. That's it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't, heels are just, to me, classically sexy. They look fierce. They make you feel fierce. I'm not saying you have to have a heel to feel and look sexy, but to, in my opinion, they definitely help, and they're just, they're just fierce, bitch. No, they are fierce, and that's why I would always put them on for a shoot, but they don't feel fierce in terms of foot pain, and the first thing you do when you get in the dressing room, and every other drag queen does, is kick the heels off. Not oh. only are they uncomfortable, for sure, they are not practical. You can't, you know, most most women, I would venture, do not wear their highest heel to do their biggest day of errands. No, 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 no. But that's so funny that you say that because there's literally, it's a trend on TikTok where women are putting on like different like size, graduating, like escalating in height size heels and showing how they're running their heels. That's, that's like a big trend on TikTok like right now. I'll be leaving behind my freaking vibrators. Ooh. Oh. Oh, she, oh, she, she wants a real man. Girl, okay. she said no more vibrators. I, I have never used a vibrator. I don't like dildos and I don't, well, so I don't like getting, like, uh, if, if I'm getting fucked, I want it to be by a man with with a penis. I can't, I, I can't sit there with a fucking, uh, uh, a goddamn dildo in my ass, penetrating myself. It, I just, it's just not for me. So I'm with you, sis. I, I, I was never that wild about dildos. It needs to either be a real man or some animals. <laughs> Let's take another call. <laughs> So I've been so sad without my heels that on a <laughs> more than I'd like to admit a uh, number of occasions, I've made myself like breakfast in my fucking busted ass pajamas and a pair of pumps. <laughs> I miss them. Uh. <laughs> Girl, I, I'm, I, me too. Me the fuck too. Okay. 
Okay, Lady Bunyan over here. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's wondering if these are some very young callers here on stereo. Well, I think all of the older gals who wear heels can't figure a stereo out, just like you. <laughs> They're like, I don't know how to make well, this. Well, you know what? You have a point. <laughs> you have a point. Christine Lee. I have been working at home for the last year, and there is no way I am going back to wearing heels when COVID is done. I might wear a little block heel or maybe a kitten heel um, if I'm going out somewhere nice, but to wear actual like heeled pumps to go every day out somewhere, that is not happening. It is running shoes. Slippers, loafers, sandals, flip-flops, all the way. Work. But there well, you go, Benny. Thank you, InStyle says that you are on trend, you know? I mean, because, of course, heels look great. I'm a drag queen. But they're not comfortable, and they screw up your feet and your back. Yeah. They do. If you feel the pressure, as this lady sounds like she does, um, th to wear them at work and, and, and something that you do every day and you kind of dread, this has shown that you don't have to. Yeah, and I will say, with Gen Z's too, and especially like fashion trends that are like popping off right now, like clogs and Doc Martens are a staple. Lots of Gen Zers and Millennials are Doc Martin wearing type of folk too. And um, and also we're just changing what what like is like quote unquote acceptable dress at work right like before it used to be like women had to wear heels or else you wouldn't look professional now it's changed so much so I so it's obviously very t attainable to not wear heels but I'm just talking about especially people not wearing it for so long when stuff opens back up like fully people are going to want to do it and they're gonna be like I miss this for a little bit at least in my opinion yeah. And that was another episode of Ebony and Irony Girl. Yes, thank you to Margaret Cho who made us laugh and then made us think. Yeah, yeah, and thank you to, um, you know, I want to say a big thank you to Starburns, who um, is our podcast production company. Also, shout out to Jay DeFeo, who helps us facilitate all of these uh, meetings and uh, ads and shit, you know. Love oh, me. well, I love Starbucks. I don't remember Jay, though. <laughs> I hope you have a fun weekend. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Remember to give us a rating if you like us. Don't if you hate us. Hello. And next week, you know what? Next week, we should read some more reviews. Those are always fun. So just leave a review. You might get a mention on the podcast, honey. And then you're going to be kind of famous like Bunny. Network.